welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I'm excited to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Cheryl Erickson, and she authored the book titled Follow Me Friend, a memoir of undiagnosed PTSD and the healing power of the horse-human relationship. Cheryl has a master's degree in social work and is a former equine assisted therapy facilitator. She also authored two training manuals for EGALA model equine-assisted therapy facilitators. While earning her MSW from Western Michigan University, Cheryl took a special interest in the effects of trauma on the developing brain, and she applied that learning along with her personal experience as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse in this memoir, Follow Me, Friend. Now, this book is a true story dealing with the daily struggles of living with undiagnosed PTSD and the healing power of the horse-human relationship. There's a lot for us to find out today. I'm looking forward to getting going. So welcome to the network, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. And congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Thank you also for that. That was really exciting. (laughs) I'm always, I'm not a judge, so I'm always excited when I get to share that information because I know how it feels when you put everything into this book and uh, you kind of wait and hope, Hope it comes back with good results. Yes, definitely. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, you live in Versailles, Kentucky, right? Yes, yes, I do. I think I read that somewhere. And you know what? And, and I'm telling it myself here. It reminds me of a Vanderpump Rules episode where Jackson Brittany got married at the Kentucky Castle. Do you, you, I'm sure you know all about that. I do know very much about the Kentucky Castle. Um, very, I live very near there, so yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't know. Was that a TV show? I don't. I don't. Yes, know. it's a very okay. stupid reality show. And I happened to flip on it one night when when these two characters were getting married, and it was at the um, Kentucky Castle. It just looked so beautiful. And and this Lisa Vanderpump, who's quite stuffy, she's like, "Oh, why do they call it Versailles? It should be called Versailles." <laughs> it should be, it should be, but it's not. They they don't do that here. So <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. Well, anyway, all right, we're gonna get serious. So I mentioned in the bio about the trauma of abuse and how you lived with undiagnosed PTSD, and then a horse came into your life. Maybe just give us a little peek into your background, and then we can begin talking about your book. My background is you know, was always in horses. And that's kind of how I started my career and how my life was when I was a kid. I got very interested in horses and I became very comfortable with horses and I understood them a lot better than I understood the uh, human world. But uh, it's not something I really understood about myself until much later. And I had um, an accident with, with a horse that belonged to me, with, with my own horse. And that kind of... um I guess the best way to put it is it kind of shook loose an older trauma, which I didn't have a conscious memory of. But it also kind of just set me almost, I guess, kind of turned me upside down a little bit. Like everything I thought that I wanted at that time, you know, I'd worked towards a horse career and that's what I was doing. And then I was so taken aback by everything that had happened that I just kind of reversed, you know, went and did a 180 and decided to do something else. And that's how I got into uh, the equine-assisted therapy and decided to get a degree in social work and went on from that. And it was in my um, 
master's degree program that I started really figuring out kind of understanding a little bit more about some of the things that were happening to me in my life um, without and at the same time was recovering the memories of um, the sexual abuse that I had repressed for years and years. And so that's kind of um, the background to the story. Mm-hmm. Fascinating that, that the mind and the body actually puts you in some kind of a protective mode, I guess it is, so that you don't have this conscious memory. And yet there's always that trigger that brings it back. Um, I just find that to be so fascinating that, that a person can go so many years and not really recall or even know what happened to them. Yeah, and it's, it's what's so interesting is, you know, because it happened, for me, I was, I was seven years old, I was a child, and the body and the brain are so, you know, miraculous in the way that they can do that because mm-hmm. they, they, it's their way of protecting mm-hmm. you from something that you can't handle. And, you know, that was what happened to me was more than a seven-year-old process. And so it just kind of went away. But the thing of it is, is that you never really forget anything. And so even though it's not in the conscious mind, you know, I didn't have a clue what was going on or what I didn't remember it. My The body, it does remember. And so you still have the reactions and the protections and everything that you put in place to protect yourself, you continue that going forward as an adult and on and on and on. And what these turned into for me were were what I considered unusual behaviors. You know, I couldn't interact with my peers the way other kids could. I felt really abnormal. I just, and I know that a lot of kids feel that too, but, you know, I just, it got to the point where I felt like I was um, crazy. Like I didn't think that I was sane and I was afraid of being labeled and so I started you know I hid everything and so basically I was you know going through all this depression anxiety and all these symptoms of PTSD but didn't even know what was going on I just thought oh there's something wrong with me I can't let other people know and this went on for decades that I um, lived with that and hid that from everybody did you ever at any point in your life have somebody that you could reach out to or were you doing this all on your own? Pretty much, yeah, no, um, on my own. Uh, I had tried, you know, a couple times. Um, I had tried, you know, when, like, in my 20s, I tried some different therapists a couple of times just because the, being, you know, the depression was getting so severe, you know, and, and I thought, well, you know, if I could find somebody to talk to, I just, I didn't want to tell them the things that I really thought were wrong. I was afraid because I didn't want to get labeled. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get labeled and I didn't want to get institutionalized. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, I was, um, there's a lot of misconceptions about um, people with, you know, depression or any mental health issues. You know, you get treated very differently. And I'd seen that. I had experienced that as a, in high school, you know, and as a young kid, the way that people talked about people who had mental health issues. And I just, I didn't want any part of that. As far as I could tell, I had enough problems without also having this label. Mm-hmm. So I would talk to the counselor, you know, that I went to go see maybe, but I was afraid to really tell them what was going on as far as like, um, I had gotten a lot of self-harm and, uh, stuff like that, that, um, just really, it was just, it was too much to talk about. So, uh, the therapist, the situations with the different therapists that I had, a lot of them 
you know, maybe they didn't really have a chance because I didn't tell them as much stuff, but I had a lot of um, negative experiences along those lines, too. Yeah, when I did ask for help, a lot of just not helpful suggestions, mm-hmm. I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. So, um, but as far as my family and everything, nobody knew. I never told anybody any of it that I was experiencing. That must have been extremely, extremely difficult for you. Um, so you had this accident with your horse and that kind of almost shook you out of that and brought all of these memories back? Yeah. Yes. It's, um, though to my best guesses is there to my best knowledge of what happened is, is basically I was re-traumatized and, um, the memories didn't just, you know, they didn't come rushing back. It actually took uh, probably over a year before I even started exploring that something might be going on. But that's what what happened after that accident is everything just kind of, you know, it's kind of when that about face happened. I just kind of, everything that was, I tried to put behind me and move forward and do something else. And I would get these, um, had their, like, I guess I'd call it like a body memory. And I would get feelings and sensations that didn't make sense. And this, of course, didn't help me at all with my idea that I, you know, wasn't crazy. It was that um, that experience as I was going through and trying to, I was going to say process the trauma, but I really didn't try to process it at all. I tried to ignore it, and it didn't work. And what happened is my horse uh, was very, very sensitive to me, and we had a really great connection. And... She started acting very strangely around me, and it was her change of behavior that made me think there's something wrong with me that's causing her to act that way. And that's actually why I went to go get help again. Mm. It's not not for all of these awful things that was happening and was doing to myself, but because my horse wasn't comfortable. So... That's what actually caused me to um, go get help, and then it was through that process with a really good counselor that we started talking about and unpacking uh, a lot of the things that um, I had been dealing with, and then the memories just started slowly seeping back in. How wise of you to you know, r- realize and recognize that your horse was reacting to you. I mean, many people don't really realize the the energy and the, the 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 animal and the feeling connection that animals have to their person, to their you know close, special, bonded person. Um, how wise of you to react to that, to think, okay, something's up here, and to delve into it so that you could uh, fix it. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to think about that I could be perceptive enough about what my horse, her name is Farletta, what she was experiencing, but not enough to acknowledge at all what I was experiencing. I just think that's, um, but that really sums up kind of how I I was. Like I said, as a kid, you know, I really connected to horses. I really, I understood how they behaved and I understood how they reacted. And I understood that that Farletta, as an adult, you know, and I had her, I, that she wasn't a bad horse, that if she was misbehaving, which is what a lot of people would have interpreted her behavior as, there had to be a reason. There had to be something. It wasn't because she was a bad horse, because she wasn't a bad horse. And I think that um, is something that, you know, 
in the horse world isn't a very common thing, um, but it's becoming more so. So once you started to go to therapy and to, to come to some terms with your situation, how did your relationship change with Farletta? She went back to her normal self, wow. and we became very much reconnected, but then that connection went to a much deeper place over the years um, to the point where she just, when she would do an unusual behavior, when I would see something unusual for her, it became a sign to me to check in with myself to see what was going on and address that. And that generally would change that behavior back. And this has gone on back and forth, you know, oh gosh, last 10 years and more intensely in the last couple of years, but that she would just, um, it was just a, it's like an, a barometer, like yes. an external barometer for me to figure out, you know, hey, you need to check yourself and see what's going on. Because when you've grown up and lived in that place of trauma for so long, you don't live in your body. You live in your head. Mm. And I, I often call that just, you know, I lived my life from the neck up. And horses, they don't, they don't do that. They, they can't do that. They can't survive that way because they need to be aware of what's happening in and around them in order to survive. And, uh, people were really good at living in our heads and we can survive that way. And so, you know, some of my memories from when I was younger and stuff, I actually visually see them as if I'm above them, you know, looking down on myself. Mm -hmm. It's that, that dissociation. So fascinating because I was thinking of the word barometer too. That is just so amazing. What a gift that you had this animal in your life to basically help save you. Yeah. And she did and she has. And it's just, um, you know, why we were put together. I, I, I don't know, but that's, I mean, I do know. I think that's why yes. is that she came to help me and to save me and to help me figure out how to, live back in the world of the people. So, um, and it's been, it's been amazing to, um, have that experience with her and I'm very blessed. So Absolutely. yeah, it's just, I think about horses in general. I mean, horses are sensitive, but there's something about Farletta who to be that much more sensitive. That yes. is unusual behavior. I mean, you will see horses react to people people's energy and a lot of times they do get punished for it because it's seen as a you know a discipline problem when it's really a communication mm -hmm. right behavior is communication same could be said for kids behavior right. is communication right. right a lot of horses um that have that sensitivity and get punished for it they they shut that down mm -hmm. and some horses are you know i guess what i'm trying to say is that the horses the feedback is available Right. from them but a lot of times we are unwilling or incapable of listening to it and sometimes it's you know I, I know that for Farletta to communicate in the way that she did with me I had to be in a position that I was ready to listen also and that's very important if I wasn't then her communication would have literally you know fallen on deaf ears Farletta is your soul horse. I mean, I don't think any of that is random. I mean, that was a relationship that was meant to be. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And 
you know, the time that she came into my life was, was in that probably when things were at their very worst, Mm -hmm. um, as far as trying to live those two lives that, that part of me that, that was trying to hide all these things that I thought meant I was crazy. And then the part of me that was trying to appear normal and it just, I was to a point where I could barely hold it together anymore. And I think that's, I don't think the accident was an accident. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't, I mean, she didn't do it on purpose, right. like maliciously, but I think that that whole thing had to happen or I would have survived to this point. I really don't think I would have. Sounds like um, it. You know, yeah. 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 So you almost had to write this book. There was no way you could just let this out there without sharing it. Yeah, exactly. It it became very important to uh, get that out. And the thing with holding on to a story like that, and, you know, not that everybody has to go and share all of their dark secrets and stuff, but it does lose its power yes. over you. Every time I shared that story and told somebody, it got a little easier. Mm-hmm. And now I can talk about it. I don't, you know, I, I I don't cry anymore when I talk about it. So it's, um, you know, things are a lot better. And releasing stories that were never yours to hold, that wasn't my secret. That was right. that man who did that. That's his, his, you know, secret. He did, he did something wrong, but the kid, me, I didn't. And that is something that a lot of kids that have been through trauma and adults too, they don't, you want to blame it on yourself. There has to be something. There has to be something that I did mm-hmm. or didn't do that could have prevented this. And, no. you know, you, you try to live like that and it just will tear you up. Um, yes. Well, the beauty, yeah. beauty of this book is that others who read it will become inspired and to read about what somebody else goes through and realizes that you're not alone. Um, what you've done by writing this book is a gift. It's just plain and simple. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And that was one of my big goals. I think I, you know, I wonder, I wish, I wonder if I had read something like that when I was younger, mm-hmm. would I have seen a piece of myself in that and thought, wait a minute, yes. maybe these things that are happening don't mean that I'm crazy, but maybe there's actually something that happened. There's something I can talk to somebody about, you know, and, yes. and that's, that's, um, that's a big deal, you know, that that can save lives, literally. It, that's one of the things we don't talk about with depression is that it is a deadly disease. And, and so often people talk about, you know, suicide like it's that's a choice or it's a, you know, it's a cowardly thing or whatever people have said that have kept other people from telling people that something is wrong is, um, and it, it's not, it's a disease and that is, one of the outcomes, if you can't get the symptoms under control, mm-hmm. then suicide can be an outcome. Right. And that's, I think we really need to reframe how we look at that. And that's one of the things that I hope that this book has done. And you know what's so wonderful about it is that you you may not ever know. And And to me, just the anonymity of all of that is that you put this out there, you have no idea, unless obviously somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, your book helped me, but you have no idea who and how this is impacting people. Yeah, that's I'm hopeful about that. And actually, one of the things that I do uh, with the book um, periodically is I, I, I say I put them out into the universe and I will stick them different places. Mm-hmm. Like I might leave one at the airport or at the coffee shop or 
or at the um, one of those get a book, give a book kind mm-hmm. of lending libraries, and I'll put a little note in it about, you know, if you found this book, it was meant for you. Um, oh. Keep it as long as you need it. Um, give it away when you're through. So oh, I love it's, that. Uh, yeah, I, it's just something that seems important, and, and every once in a while I'll do that. And I have a best friend who also does that, <laughs> Mount to the Universe, for me. So, I love that. Yeah. You never know. So after writing this, um, or maybe even during the process of it, did you learn something surprising about yourself uh, going through the actual writing process? I think I learned that I really, I, I always knew that I liked you know, words and working with words. And, and I think I really like writing and crafting mm-hmm. the words together. That's something I learned um, as far as the book writing process being something that I've learned about myself personally. So, so much of what the whole journey has been is that personal learning about kind of who I am and what I'm doing and what I want to do. And uh, so, yes, and Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So what's next for you? Are you working on any new books, any new projects? I am. I'm working on a sequel, and actually I'm hoping it'll be out in June Ooh. this year. So, yeah, it's a continuation of the story and of uh, Farletta and my story, and also of um, it's a lot of a focus on kind of that personal journey and self-growth and Barletta's part in that and kind of a continuation of that where she has been that barometer of, of what's going on internally, just helping me understand what, what was going on with her and what was going on with me and what she's trying to communicate to me and how that has helped me going forward to the place that I am now, which is in an even better place than where I was at the end of the book that we're talking about. So I'm excited about the next book. You know, it's, um, I didn't know I was going to write her. So. <laughs> wow. Thank you for being so open and sharing. I, I, I know this is probably not always fun to talk about, but I do think that it's has the potential to help people. So thank you. I want to make sure we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight or talk about today. No, I think we covered it. It really well. The, the only thing that I like to add is just, um, you know, if you're having any of those, you know, the depression or the anxiety that there's help, ask people to find people for help. There's, you know, we've got so many more resources now, um, like the suicide hotline and there's different types, you know, they've got the um, phone counseling or the Zoom or whatever, you know, you don't have, you don't have to go into an office anymore and talk to somebody and, uh, but just to keep, reaching out and keep trying. The other thing I want to stress is that not everybody who is in a position to help is necessarily the right person to help you. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I ran into that myself with counselors that just weren't, weren't working for me. They didn't resonate. They didn't understand. They didn't whatever. And a lot of that was it was, um, you know, I would feel some blame for that. It's like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Even mm-hmm. they can't help me. Mm-hmm. And it's not anything that's negative on them. It's just they might not be the right person. So try again. You got to keep trying. And that's the thing I want to stress. 
Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I think that's really important because you can kind of double down on yourself to say, oh, here I went for help and I wasn't even wasn't able to receive help from this person. It must be my fault or my problem when in fact it's just not the right person. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Think of it as a job interview almost and not not you to them, but them to you. Yes. You know, is this person a good fit for me? And and it's because that is they are working, you know, for you. And that's I know how hard it is to ask for help. And I just don't want people to get to get to that point where they can actually ask for help and then get slapped back Mm -hmm. by the wrong kind of help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not try again. So that's just keep trying. You know, you're worth it. Right. For sure. Really, really important point. Thank you so much for saying that. Mm -hmm. All right, Cheryl, if you would, then give us all of your contact information wherever you want to send us so that folks can find out more about you, get copies of your books, uh, reach out to you, whatever you want to, wherever you want to send us. All right. Uh, we'll start with my website. It's uh, www.followmefriendbook.com, and you can get books directly from my website. I also have a Get a Book, Give a Book program where you can buy a book for yourself and for a discount you'll get well you don't actually get the second book but you buy a book for somebody else and I will donate that to a um, like a woman's shelter or some other sort of a program that will help be helped by that book and so would be donated in your name so we do that through the website Um, right now that's only available to folks in the US though because of shipping um, costs but then uh, Amazon has the book, and I'm working on getting it into bookstores, but we're not there yet. <laughs> so uh, you can ask your bookstore, though. That'll help. So, right. Yeah. And, yeah, that's it. Uh, for horse people who are interested in my coursework, um, I also have www.peacehorse.net. And I have a blog at Peace Horse Journey on WordPress that you might also be interested in. All right, lots of good places. Cheryl Erickson, author of the book, Follow Me Friend, website followmefriendbook.com, or for her horsework, peacehorse.net. Cheryl, I was so looking forward to this conversation. I love to have a a conversation with a person that's just so inspiring and and willing to share and give, and I I love the relationship you have with Farletta. I just know so many people are going to gain so much positivity from this conversation today. Thank you for sharing, and share your new book with us again so we can hopefully have another conversation. Yes, I absolutely will, and thank you so much uh, for having me. I sure appreciate it.